Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 213. Something smells fishy around here. Except it doesn't. Why does it not smell fishy? Because <laughs> there's no fish. They're jellyfish. They're, they're not really jellyfish. What are they? So, so today's game, people, is called Nocte Luca, and sure. this is a game... The, it translates basically into nightlights. And this is a game about algae that live in the ocean that are bioluminescent. However, the game version is not in the ocean, it's in a pond. Whatever. But the real ones live in the ocean. Wait, these <laughs> things are not jellyfish? Not really, no. Look it up. It's a real thing. Did you know it's a real thing? I. It's not a made-up s- fantasy thing. Huh. <laughs> so, we're... <laughs> Do the real ones have these little cute eyes? I don't know. They're really small. I'm going to include a video for for people to see the, like uh, some people at the beach checking out the Noctiluca and being wowed by the effect, which is pretty darn amazing if that video is real. I find it hard to believe because it's just so amazing looking. But uh, listeners, hi. Uh, (laughs) We've sort of started rambling already. This (laughs) Welcome. Yeah, well, it has um, to do with the theme, at least. It does have to do with the theme. And it's very on point for Albert, who loves to teach us history and science with these things. That's true. Actually, and I only just learned this this weekend. I had no idea. When I had first, I had used to have this game, and when I played it, I thought it was just a made-up fantasy thing that the designer had invented. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> Shem. Shem Phillips. Well, having said that, why don't we go ahead and get started with our discussion of it? Okay. Do we need a summary? Sure, I'll give a quick <laughs> summary of this one. So in Noctiluca, the idea is that you are playing a dice collection game. You're going to have a board spread out with four different colors of dice. So there's purple, blue, green, and orange spread out across the board. And on your turn, you're going to be grabbing a whole row of dice that all match with the same number side. So grab a row of ones or a row of twos or however it is that you have from across the whole board. Any colors that match will then be, once you grab them the numbers don't matter you'll then put them on your jar cards when you fill a jar card that'll be worth some amount of points depending upon the jar card and the point tokens left out uh continue to fill up jar cards over two rounds and the player with the most amount of points at the end of the game wins that's basically the game there's also a solo version which is basically the same thing you still play over two rounds but you're the only one (laughs) and if you have enough points you win (laughs) And I think we'll cover the solo rules specifically at, yeah. after we go through the other aspects. Yep. Which is my style of rules and not yours. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, yeah, rule, solo rules at the end, just like in the rule book. Yep. Grumble, grumble. <laughs> so, so that was the summary of the game. Do we want to get into the rule book? Is that we the do. first thing we do? Yes, I have it written down. Next is rules, then theme, then components, then gameplay, then solo and overview. I so, pull it up. It is. You're right. <laughs> the rule book is very small. It's like four pages. And I think Correct. the first page is really just a picture anyway. Or, or hey, welcome to Noctiluca. Well, it's a theme. Yes, Imagine, the theme yeah. summary. So the very simple, very clear. I did not find any confusion when I read through it. Um, nice looking rule book. It's simple. So, you know, there's not a whole lot to it. So not a lot to complain about either. 
Yep. I don't know that I have anything else to say about it. Do you? Pretty simple, pretty clear rules. I think I understood everything pretty well straight from the first gameplay. I will say that possibly the soul rules are the most complicated part, but that's a, <laughs> yeah. that's a tricky thing to get into when the, the basic play of the game is already pretty simple. Yeah, and saying that it's the most complicated part does not mean it's by any stretch complicated. <laughs> mm-hmm. But similar to the rest of the game, and this is perhaps already starting to move to components, the rules are very pretty. <laughs> um, I am blown away already as we start off that <laughs> the theme is real-ish. Um, <laughs> right? Apparently there really are Noctiluca, and people really go dive and catch them and jar them. I don't think that people anymore at least turn them into magic potions but the fact that there's glowing things in the ocean they're technically plankton but that there's glowing things in the ocean i can only imagine that throughout history many people have gone oh magic potions it just feels (laughs) like a magic potion so much so that now i want one (laughs) yeah so i'd say the theme is actually pretty darn good i guess though perfect though the the game it's in a pond not in the ocean and that annoyed me but <laughs> honestly whatever the um yeah it, it's pretty darn neat it, it, it you're is saying really Noctiluca neat. can't happen in a pond apparently these are ocean plankton not pond plankton the real ones anyway not the game ones so yeah the theme kind of falls apart for me is what I'm saying this is a very <laughs> big pond it's like an ocean sized yeah, pond there you go really really big. yeah you're right okay my mistake I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it takes two turns to go all the way around it, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. Okay, so components. I think we, we've been making fun of the game and we've been talking about how nice it is, but when you get to the components, they're really nice. Yes. <laughs> I think. Because you get a lot of very pretty little dice, and, and they're just a pleasure to mess with. I, I do love the colors of the dice, the bright yeah. neon color bring home the idea that these are these glowing I, i'm gonna say i apologize to listeners um they're not jellyfish they are plankton but it brings home they're these bright neon dice that are the noctiluca and it, it feels like noctiluca it feels sort of like a glowing fish in the in the dark of the ocean it's it's awesome yeah um yep they, they're translucent dice too they're not like solid mm-hmm. colors which is important to say and I think, well, in terms of them being translucent, it feels like a Noctiluca. I can understand that it might be harder because they're translucent to see the dice pips, especially since there's like 60, 70 of them on the board at once. And part of the goal of the game is to be able to assess as quickly as you can across the whole board and figure out which ones are the best. So the translucency may hinder accessibility a little bit, but I believe that the fact that it does hinder it a little bit is made up for in how much it brings home the idea of these being these glowing plankton that it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't think they, they really interfere. They're not really hard to read, honestly. Mm-hmm. I didn't think so. Let me speak to another couple of components that I like, and mm-hmm. then I'll speak to the two components that I don't. Um, oh, yeah. The other two components that I like are the jar cards. So you're given, over the course of the game, you select or are given different jar cards. And they come in three different colors. So there's brown, there's red, there's gold. And I assumed that these were some sort of jar 
for potions or something like that. And the iconography continues to bring that home, especially the specific iconography, the brown, the uh, red, and gold. And pretty art, clear, distinguished, and I very much like all of that art. Similarly, the point tokens mm-hmm. tie in very well to the jar cards. Each of the point tokens has a very clear um, number on them. The different iconography between the brown, red, and gold suits they're very distinct. They're very easy to see. I think they're pretty colorblind friendly. <clears throat> Although I'm not colorblind, um, I can't imagine, I suppose, that the different shades here would match greatly to the theme as well as matching to make it very accessible. Let me talk mm-hmm. about the two components that I'm not such a fan of. The first one is the pawns. It has these 12 pawns that you use to go around the board, You're only allowed to pick a specific area for the start of your row once per round. And you denote that by putting a pawn down. And once you put it down, no one else is is allowed to go there. I didn't like these pawns. They, They, with everything else being gorgeous, with everything else being so nice, these things sort of stuck out as being a-thematic, uh, as being not thematic, and feeling very gamey. I, I, I don't like them. I'm not quite sure what I would replace them with, because meeples would probably be even worse. But, like, a thunderstorm <laughs> token, or something else. But I, uh, yeah. Even a disc, I e- think, would Even discs, I think, would have been a little better than pawns, yeah. 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 It just yeah. feels really not thematic. I agree with you 100%. Out. I'm not. Yeah. I, I agree. I'm not a fan of the pawns. The other components, they look pretty. The art is nice mm-hmm. on them. Like you, until, until just the other day, I thought Noctiluca were some sort of jellyfish. I had no. And that these were potions we were making. I had no idea. It was just jars of. I mean, you are like, making some sort of potion. It's just uh, from plankton. actual real plankton. <laughs> Does it say it's a potion? Okay. Yeah, it is. It's the the rules do <laughs> the, say that the, you're making them for healers. You are making potions for healers. Oh, okay. I did not remember so, that. Okay. It's uh, possibly like crystal the therapy one, type stuff, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> crystal therapies. One of the one of the tokens is is the, the yellow one. To me just looks like a cookie. Somebody took a bite out of a cookie and I've never been able to <laughs> It's a moon. <laughs> it's a it's moon. A, I call it the cookie. Uh, Ooh, I'm, I'm hungry the cookie. for a cookie. <laughs> Yeah, see, it would drive my son crazy when we played, too, <laughs> because I called it the cookie. So unless you had any other nitpicks for the components, I have one more I have one more nitpick for a component, and that's the, the player reference cards. So every player is dealt a reference card, which lists the different ways that you can score at the end of the game, because you do score at the end of the game for the point tokens. You score at the end of the game for any bonus cards you have. You score at the end of the game for any leftover dice on cards that don't get turned in. And you also score for your favorites. And what that means is that at the beginning of the game, each player is dealt a card at random, which is one of the four different colors, so purple, blue, green, or orange. And then you will keep that card face down the whole game. And every Noctiluca on cards that you've completed of your favorite deals you gets you a point. So if across all the cards that you completed you had five purples and purple is your favorite, 
then you would get five extra points. Now, my nitpick with this is that the purple, the, the favorite cards are the reverse side of the player reference cards. And while I understand that they were likely attempting to keep costs low by not throwing in any extra tokens or meeples or pieces or something like that for the favorites and for the cards, um, there's a big problem that I have, especially with players, is that you are very much encouraged to be like, what scores me points? And you pick up that favorite card and you broadcast to everyone <laughs> what your favorite is. The back of the card. Because it's on the back <laughs> of the card. I think that it would have made a little bit more sense to have put on both sides of that card the the player reference and on only one side of them have one of them be more distinct as your favorite so theoretically you can turn that over look at your side your special side as a reference so that (laughs) you are maybe a little bit more reminded don't pick it up and flash everyone what your card is (laughs) or something like that because it happens all the time yeah, and some people just find it hard to just leave it on the table. They got to pick it up because you can leave it on the table and just look at it. Mm. But if you're the kind of person who wants to pick it up and look at it, yeah, <laughs> you mm-hmm. can give it away a few times. That's funny. I never noticed that. That's that's hilarious. All the time. A little bit of a nitpick, but happens so much. Yeah. Now, for, I imagine you don't really need to reference it that much once you've played a few games. Once you've played a few games, but definitely when you're learning it, when you're perhaps the most likely to make that kind of error, is when you're going to do it. Yep. (laughs) That's so funny. Well, okay, so components. Mostly pretty good. Pawns could be better. Slight fail in the cards. (laughs) Exactly. That that is funny. But generally just a beautiful game. Gameplay. Go for it. Um... So I'll be honest, I had bought this game when it first came out. I played it a few times and I got rid of it. The, the gameplay, I didn't hate it. I just I just didn't see me playing it a whole lot. Well, let me describe a bit more about details of the gameplay. Yeah, yes. So the way the game works in general is that you have the board with sort of a ring. So you have an inner ring and an outer ring. And there's, I think, 12 spaces along... The, well, I think it's 12 spaces. But there's a certain number of spaces along the ring. Mm-hmm. And so what you'll do is you take one of those pawns and stick it on anything outside of the outer ring. And then you pick a direction, so one of two directions from that space. You'll then call out a number, so let's say you pick two, and any dice in the direction from that, so it could be either two, three, or four um, segments, spaces, any dice in the in that line which match the number die, you'll then grab. And then you'll take all those. If you can put them on your jar, you immediately put them on your jar. If you can't, you have to give them to the other player. When you fill out a jar, you take the corresponding point token. You start with the cheapest point tokens, so they're only worth two. Is as more point tokens are taken, they'll get better and better points. Like the very last ones are worth eight. You have to get all the way down to the eight to be able to get those. Meanwhile, everyone else is maybe, if you haven't gotten any of those, everyone else has gotten the two, three, fours, and you get just the one eight. So uh, weigh your options there. At the end of the game, you'll determine who has the majority Mm -hmm. for each suit. If you have, let's say, the most of the, as Albert calls them, cookie suit, 
Um, then what you'll do is you'll flip over all of the remaining <laughs> point tokens. Each one will be worth one point, and so you'll get an additional bonus for being the majority. Now, again, there's a push and pull to that, because if everyone is chasing hard on a certain majority, then that means that majority is worth less because all the point tokens have disappeared. But if you can sneak in on one that nobody else has been noticing and score the majority on that, and there's still, say, six tokens left, that's six bonus points for not having to do a whole lot of work. Good summary, Albert? It's a good, much better than I could have done. It's very simple. <laughs> I mean, really, the gameplay is super Almost like simple. I prepare. There's not a lot to it. But you're going to spend a lot of time thinking about it, really, looking for that best move every time. That is super true, yes. What we found a lot is that if you like Where's Waldo-type hunts, this is going to be that, because you get those (laughs) 70, 80 dice spread out across the whole board, and your job now is to figure out what colors you need the most, what the biggest combo is across all of these dice. And so sometimes it's just a matter of, who can best find the really high point value ones? So if you are the sort of person that likes turns to be snappy and moving and going quick, probably multiplayer this is not it. Because a lot of the time you'll be like, I see the one I want. I can stare at it all day, and that's maybe going to tip someone off on it. I can look away and forget about it. Or I can just wait patiently. Like Everyone has to take the time to sort of do the scavenger hunt. And there's definitely a skill and being able to do that scavenger hunt well, which I definitely enjoy having that skill in solo. We'll go back to that. But there's a skill in being able to do that scavenger hunt well to assess what you need on your cards, how you find the next thing, how you how you look through the board to find good pieces and what's the best way to assess it. But you have to enjoy the patience it takes to go on that hunt. And you have to be ready to have patience while everyone else takes their turn for them to go on that hunt. And if you don't have that patience, then you probably wouldn't like that. Feels like fishing to me. (laughs) (laughs) And it very much is a fishing game, isn't it? Ha. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good summary of the experience. uh, Especially the, I think the multiplayer game. Mm -hmm. What was it about that, that you didn't like, or was it just that you wanted things to be snappier? It's been a while. It's probably you know, I got rid of it before coronavirus. Um, I don't remember too well. It just, I don't remember it just exciting me. It, it's a nice, it's a relaxing game. And, you know, you could sit down mm-hmm. and think about it. Um, I tend to be the kind of person that doesn't want to spend too much time thinking on it. You could, de- like you said, you could definitely <laughs> spend a lot of time and look for all the moves. And especially solo, you know, plan out each of your moves because where you go now will affect where you'll be able to do later. And so, so there's a lot of time. Oh, I don't about do it. that. It's just, no. Well, if, if you do, you could score higher, I guess. But um, it, it was just not what I was looking for in a game, in this type of game. I, I like can understand deep that. Deep thinking games, but it just. I know. It's a I don't great think game. this is. I really don't think this is not a deep thinking game. There's no thinking. There's no real strategic plan. There's a little bit, but it's not deep. It's not thinking. You don't have to spend not... a lot of time thinking about it. You have to spend a lot of time searching. Y- Searching, yeah, but well, like I said, then you, you find a really good move, but then you if if you look at what you could do next, now it's going to be impacted by that sometimes, and you know as in yeah, and so in the solo game, you go around the board twice, right? And you in both put, you go around the board twice. Okay, and you put pawns on the board as you go around, and you lock up the spaces, 
And I think you did six pawns, and then you go around again and do the spaces you haven't already locked. So, so I found that I was spending time saying, okay, I want these sixes, but if I go here to get all these sixes, which are really great, I'm going to lock those threes that I wanted to get later because I won't be able to get to that space anymore because I have put the pawns already blocking it. And so I spent time looking for that, and I, I don't know. It just didn't excite but, me. I mean, that experience sort of mimics the multiplayer, but you, you were getting onto the solo before I feel like we fully discussed with the game with the game most, multiplayer. Yeah. Most of my and experience was the solo. I understand what you're saying, that, and we we have played this. I've played this a fair number of times solo. I've also played it a fair number of times with my kids. We did get this post coronavirus, and mm-hmm. I played this with my kids, and and we have enjoyed doing that hunt. It's not high stakes thinky. It's not highly strategic. <laughs> it's just a hunt, which is the perfect amount of <laughs> strategic thinking that I think my kids can handle. So I have enjoyed mm-hmm. that. But let me let, let's summarize through how the solo works before we discuss the solo. Okay. Okay. So when you're doing the solo, so there is a first player marker, um, which is used to show who started off the game when you play multiplayer. Um, it's not the most important thing, although it does show how turns progress. Um, it's actually much more important when you're playing in solo. So when you're playing in solo, normally you'd get. 12 turns divided up by the number of players. Instead, in solo, you just get six turns in round one and six turns in round two. And the way your turns work is mostly the exact same. During the first round, you'll pick a row and put a pawn there and go through the whole thing. During the second round, as Albert was mentioning, you don't remove the first six pawns. Those continue to block you. Now, the pawns... You might so far the only person who's removing Noctiluca is you, but there is a change for that. Um, normally, in a multiplayer game, other players are removing Noctiluca, which can affect your choices. Instead, when you're playing solo, there's a Tempest, which is gonna going to essentially remove the different type of Noctiluca. Um, when you have a Tempest occurring. There is a black die that you're going to use to randomize things. You'll put the first player marker on the board, and it'll point towards a specific section. So there's a purple section, there's a yellow and a gold section, and you will roll the black die. Any of the Noctiluca in that whole section, which is a third of the board, that match the number you rolled, are removed from the game. You'll then rotate the first player marker around and take your next turn. So every round across a third of the board, one theoretically, one sixth of the Noctiluca are being removed. Mm-hmm. And you keep continue with with that exception, you continue to play as normal. You'll play 12 total turns, total up your points, and see how many points you have. The game can either be played that just you are trying to chase your own high score. The game technically does set it up that you lose points equal to the value of the point tokens in the Tempest, um, which are removed over the course of the game. Um, I usually just play the game and count on my score and have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, and I think it's different also in the solo game. You don't restock the board while you do in the multiplayer game, correct? 
you do restock the board in both the multiplayer and the and the solo. Okay. So you'll do that between the two rounds. Yeah. Got it. Oh, it's otherwise yeah. just like normal. Nothing. <laughs> I don't think there's anything that said don't do that. I I like how the scoring works in the solo game. I like the your goal is just to get a positive number of points. If you get negative points, you've lost. And I like that about it. I like that challenge of just trying to. I feel like I'm trying to make points, and it it was always frustrating when I didn't make it. In a fun way. What? <laughs> <laughs> so I I like the idea that your goal is to get more than zero points. That you're right. losing points and you're just trying to end positive. I found that really satisfying for some reason. As opposed to getting a high score. Yes, as opposed to getting a high score. Okay. So I don't know. Um like I said, it I was I mean, fun. it still feels like a high score thing to me because it's not a real opponent. It's it's just a randomizer type thing. You know? Yep, I get that. Because I don't think you have a lot of effect of it, unlike things like we're <laughs> I like that the game is fast. It's generally pretty fast, depending how much time you want to spend on it, on thinking and hunting and looking and all that. And I like how the final scoring is done. What I seem to remember is that it felt a little bit fiddly pulling up all these dice, and the dice are small, and if you're not super-duper careful, sometimes you could nudge a dice around and move things, and it changes the state of the board, kind of. Um... But I did find the gameplay okay and interesting. I just decided not to keep it. I hear you. I mean, we enjoy it as a family, and I do enjoy it solo. I feel it plays very similar between the solo game to the multiplayer game. I enjoy the hunt. This is a a fun thing for me. It feels Where's Waldo-ish, essentially. To be like, (laughs) I, I have to find the best group. And that's the whole the whole game. There's not really a strategy. It's just find the best group. I don't really feel like there's a much need to continue to plan from turn to turn about what's going to be left over. I would probably drive myself crazy. Plus, the <laughs> Tempest would continue to remove them. So that's just not the it's sort true. of thing I've no. spent a lot of time thinking about. And I'm just not that concerned. I enjoy it. Both multiplayer, I enjoy it solo. I think that it's a lower weight game. I probably rate it as a family weight game, but I've got mm-hmm. no problem with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it is super pretty. I mean, it is a really pretty game to play, put on the table and it, it's nice to look at when you're playing with it. So that is definitely a plus for it. Indeed. Okay. Do you find that when is. you play solo, you, you win more often or lose more often or what? Uh, I haven't been keeping track well enough to be able to tell. I probably win more often than I lose. Okay, but it sounds like it's real. You do lose often enough that it's. I lose. I've lost a time or two. Yeah, yeah. I definitely lost the first time I played, which for me <laughs> yeah. is usually a good indicator that there's an actual challenge to the game. Yep. But All yeah, right. the first time I, I went too heavy in one faction and it ended up taking a bunch of the others, and yeah. I think when I got rid of the game, I decided you know it's still really new, and if I take it back and put it in the used games section of the store. It'll it'll sell for a reasonable price, so I'm not going to lose too much. I think that might have been part of my motivation. Well, I'm not getting rid of my copy. I give it a good thumbs up. Honestly, talking about it and looking at the pictures makes me think, man, I should. Why did I get rid of it? I should go buy it again. <laughs> should have held on to it. But it's tempting. It sure is tempting when I look at pictures of it because it is a really pretty game. <laughs> All right. Um. So I think we're done. 
with that, I think it's time for us to sail off into the deep blue sea. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.